Well, I invite you to turn to our passage this morning. If, uh, if you're using the Black Bible, it's over on page 967, where it begins. It's 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8, we're going to read 1 through 15. We've been, we've been studying 2 Corinthians here at Emmanuel throughout this year, and uh, if you're just, just joining us, it's actually a great time to jump in because we're starting a, a whole new section. Uh, we'll cover this this week and next week. It's chapters 8 and 9, and Paul brings up a subject he hasn't really gotten to before, uh, which is this subject of giving. Uh, but as we'll see, he has a very specific gift in mind. You see, throughout the Gentile churches in the Mediterranean world, Paul is organizing the collection of an offering uh, that's going to go to help relieve the saints in need in Jerusalem. So the Gentile churches, you're going to help the, uh, the Jewish uh, churches in the midst of their really extreme poverty. And Paul is organizing this, this collection, and he writes to the Corinthians uh, about it. And we'll see in the midst of it, he shows us the good news of the gospel and how it affects us. Uh, so let's uh, let's read. We're gonna we'll read one through fifteen, and then we're really gonna focus in on verse nine for most of our time, and then and then try to draw it together to the rest of the context. So let's first read together. Second Corinthians eight. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For a, in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, uh, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus, that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, uh, by his poverty, might become rich. And in this matter, I give you my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started only not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now, finish doing it well, uh, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Uh, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever, get, whoever gathered little had no lack. 
Let's pray for God's word. Lord, we pray for your word and, and we pray for our own hearts. Lord, that you would refresh us and encourage us and show us the truth of your gospel love, uh, your transforming power, the glories of Jesus, the Savior. Uh, Lord, that we might be moved and changed and trust and, and faith built in us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. How, how rich would you like to be? How rich? I mean, if you, could, if you could write the script, how rich would you like to be? What, what, would the, what would the bank account look like? What would the stock portfolio look like? Or the, or the retirement account? Or the, or the real estate holdings? How rich would you like to be? Now, of course, there's a, there's a follow-up to that, because if you got all of that, you've got to decide, what do you do with it, right? What do you do with that riches? Well, here we are in our passage this morning, and Paul says that as believers in the Lord Jesus, we are rich. Like, rich beyond our wildest dreams, rich. Uh, rich and you didn't earn a penny of it. Uh, riches that are eternal, that are unfading, uh, glorious, glorious riches in Christ. And then he gets to the follow-up, which is, okay, what do you do with it? Uh, given the fact that you're this rich, well, what do you do with those riches? And we're going we're gonna to ask those questions as we work our way uh, into, into the passage. Uh, again, focusing in for most of the time on verse 9. And then connecting it uh, to how it fits uh, to this subject of this special offering that Paul is calling them uh, to, uh, to, get, to get ready for the saints in Jerusalem. Uh, God, uh, God shows us here uh, this, this good news. And, and this really is a wonderful week to be looking at this passage, uh, because here we are celebrating the Lord's Supper. Uh, and as we traditionally do, after the Lord's Supper, we're going to take up an offering for our deacons. Uh, so you start to see the, the connections. Uh, I planned it this way, but it just works out perfectly. So here, what, what do you have uh, here at the Lord's Supper? Well, you have the good news of Jesus uh, in, in pictures. You have the good news of Jesus. Here the story is told uh, in terms of a meal. Well, in verse 9 that we're going to focus in on, you have the good news of Jesus. Same story, but now the story is told in terms of money. Uh, so meal, uh, money, uh, and, and then there's the follow-up in both cases of, of what do you do with next? What is, where does that flow out? And, and Paul's going to talk uh, about an offering for the work of the saints, the relief of the saints, and we're going to take up an offering for our, our deacons like we normally do, like generations of believers have done after celebrating Lord's Supper. How do those things all fit together? Well, let's, let's take a look. Uh, and again, what it has us doing is focusing in on that glorious good news of the gospel there in verse 9. Uh, so we could, we could ask it this way. Uh, how rich are you? How rich are you? Well, here's what Paul says, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, uh, by his poverty, might become rich. Now, 
Paul writes this summary of the gospel, not because the Corinthians had never heard it before. They had. Uh, they're, they're professing believers in Christ. They know the good news. So he's not writing to them in order to tell them something that they don't know. He's writing to them because he wants them uh, to meditate on something that they're tempted to undervalue. Uh, it's exactly why the Lord tells us to, to celebrate the Lord's Supper again and again and again. Uh, God's not going to come and tell us something here in these pictures that we don't already know. Uh, but he's going to have us meditating on something that we're tempted to undervalue. Uh, same good news in both places. So let's, let's start with the word and then we'll get to the table later on. So the word here, the gospel in terms of financial uh, picture. And it starts off with the Lord Jesus. Uh, how good is the grace of the Lord Jesus? Well, you first have to meditate on the fact that he was rich. He was rich. Uh, now, now, kids, you probably know this one already. You probably know uh, that, that Jesus didn't come into being on that first Christmas day. Right? You know that first Christmas Jesus was born and put in the manger uh, and the shepherds came, all that. that. But you probably know that Jesus wasn't created that day. He was, didn't even come into being nine months before that. Right? That's what happened with you. Right? Nine months before you were born, God created you. Uh, inside your mommy, uh, God created you. Before that, you weren't around. There was no you. But then God made you. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. Uh, because you probably know that Jesus is God the Son. Right? The eternal God. He always was and always will be. Uh, though, he, though there was a time when he took on human flesh, uh, but that wasn't his beginning. That wasn't his start. And here Paul wants us to think uh, of, of, of Jesus before he came to earth. And what's the, what's the summary? He was rich. He was rich. Rich, we might say, okay, well, how, how, how was Jesus rich? Uh, well, we can mention a couple of different things. One, uh, Jesus was rich in glory. Rich in glory. Uh, so uh, that's something that Jesus himself uh, mentions in John 17. In John 17, Jesus is praying to the Father, uh, and here's what he says. See if he can catch uh, how he goes back to before and talks about glory. Uh, he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Before the world existed, before, uh, before God made anything, there was, was Father and Son and Spirit, and there was glory. Glory. Right? Because, because God, this three in one, God is, is the king of glory. Uh, all glory belongs to him. You might remember how there's that picture in Scripture that Isaiah gets of, of the heavenly throne room. And, and what's the big theme? But Glory. Right there are the angels uh, in, in God's presence, and the glory is so overwhelming that even the, the spotless angels need to cover their faces, uh, need to cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Heaven and earth is filled with his glory. All right, God is the all-glorious king. You might remember that time when Moses uh, asked to see the glory 
And God says, no, you, you, you can't see the fullness of it. You'll die. God is that glorious. And, and here's Jesus. Uh, he refers back to that time before the world existed. And what is, how does he describe it? Uh, you could say, how does he describe the riches? He says, glory. The glory that the Son had with the Father. Uh, so Jesus, rich in glory, uh, rich in that he is the owner of all things. Uh, the owner of all things. Remember how, how Psalm 50 describes, uh, says of God, uh, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. Right? Jesus owns it all. Right? He made it all and he owns it all. Right? From, from every little speck of sand uh, to, the, to the, every single galaxy in the depths of space. Jesus owns all of it. Right? I, mean, I mean, talk about real estate holdings. Right? You know, talk about a, a financial statement. There's, there's Jesus' financial statement, owner of heaven and earth. He's rich. Rich in glory. Uh, rich in that he's the owner of all things. Uh, you could also uh, say this, though we might not think of this, but it's, uh, it's something that Scripture highlights, uh, that Jesus is rich in love, rich in relationship. Uh, right? It's important for us to remember that God doesn't create us, God doesn't save us, because he's lonely or unloved, right? Uh, as, as, if, as if there was there was Jesus before the creation of the world feeling really lonely and unloved, and that's why he made us, and, and that's why he saved us so we could be in heaven with him because he was lonely. No. No. Again, we read John 17. How does, how does Jesus describe before the world existed, he, he talks about this relationship that he had uh, with the Father. Right? Father, Son, and Spirit. Right? It's hard for us to understand. It's one God, but there's a three. Uh, but this, this relationship of, of love and blessedness, such that he needs nothing. Right? Or you could say, in financial terms, he's rich. Uh, rich in glory, rich in these owner of all things, rich in love and in relationship. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, rich in all the ways uh, that, that we're not, we're not rich in glory, uh, we don't own all things, uh, we don't have this eternal blessedness, uh, he's got it all. Yet, Paul goes on to say, yet, for your sake, he became poor. There's the, uh, there's the next important step. He became poor, right? We, we read of that earlier in our Philippians 2 passage, uh, how it highlighted that there is, there is, is Jesus, and, and though he's fully God, he doesn't cling to, to, to those, those godlike prerogatives, the, the, the prerogatives and privileges of deity. Instead, he makes himself nothing, makes himself a servant, humbles himself to the lowest place. Uh, in financial terms, he makes himself poor. Uh, and and the, the humility begins by, by taking on human flesh, right? Taking on a human form. Uh, he humbles himself uh, by adding humanity. It's important for us to know that when we talk about Jesus humbling himself, he doesn't humble himself uh, by subtraction, but by addition, right? Uh, so, so when the Son comes to earth, 
Uh, he doesn't uh, humble himself by subtracting things, as if he gives up some attributes of deity. Uh, he remains fully God, uh, all-powerful, uh, all-present, all, uh, all all-knowing. He remains fully God. But what he, how, how he humbles himself is by adding a human nature, uh, adding to himself a, a true body, reasonable soul. And in that is real uh, humility. Uh, think of it. Here's the, he's the all-powerful, all-sufficient God, and he takes on a human nature. And so he asks, as to his deity, he remains the, uh, the, the, the true God, uh, but as to his humanity, well, he's human, which means he's, in his humanity, he's, he's a baby who's completely and totally dependent uh, at, on his mother for life. The mother has to feed him, care for him. Uh, Jesus, in his humanity, he has to learn how to walk. He has to learn how to read. Uh, he gets sick, and he has to, has to heal. And he gets hungry, and he has to eat. He gets tired, and he has to, has to sleep. Right? He's, he's human, tempted by a fallen world, just like we are. Um, and he doesn't even come as a, as a privileged individual. Right? Some kind of nobility. No, actually, uh, Paul highlights it in Philippians 2. He takes the form of a, of a servant. Right? The, the lowest of humanity. Uh, think of it. Jesus talks to the people that no one wants to talk to. He, he touches the people that no one wants to touch. He washes the feet of, of feet that nobody else wants to wash. Right? There he is. He takes the, he takes the, the lowest place. In his ministry, Jesus was, well, misunderstood at best, and at worst, hated, betrayed, uh, convicted as the worst of criminals. Um, Philippians 2 uh, emphasizes that, uh, that fact uh, that the ultimate was, uh, was his death on the cross that he went to voluntarily. All right? uh, Philippians says, uh, being found in human form, he humbled himself. Uh, so, so this journey to the cross wasn't like this accident where things were out of control. No, he did it voluntarily. Uh, he went all the way, all the way to the cross. The all-glorious one bears the, the injustice, uh, the horrible uh, pain of the cross, that bears the guilt of our sin. Right? Bears that wrath of God that we deserve for, for our sin. Right? The, uh, the Father with whom uh, he enjoys this loving fellowship for all eternity. Now the, the smile of his Father's countenance is turned away, and the Father pours out wrath upon Jesus. The wrath that we deserve. Hell itself. Right? He, became, he became poor. We're going we're, we're gonna to see all that as we come to the Lord's Supper. Same thing. Right? We're going we're gonna to think of Jesus in his poverty as the elements show us humanity. Right? Bread and, and cup show us body, blood in pictures. And it's not even just, uh, just normal humanity. It's humanity crucified. He humbled himself to the, to the, lowest, to the lowest place. Um, again, remember, Paul isn't writing these things to the Corinthians. Uh, the Holy Spirit isn't telling him to you. Uh, because he's trying to give you information that you don't haven't heard before. Most of you probably heard this. Uh, he's not trying to teach you something new. 
would get us to meditate on something we might be tempted to undervalue. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, so that, by his poverty you might become rich. There's where it goes. You become rich. So the Lord of heaven and earth humbles himself to the lowest place, and it all has a reason, it all has a purpose, and it's driving towards this goal so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Rich, not in the sense of financial terms, in terms of a big bank account, uh, but actually riches that are of far more lasting value. Uh, right? Eternal riches. Uh, eternal riches. Uh, again, well, think of it, who we were apart from Christ. And a great way to describe it is impoverished. Right? Before, before Christ uh, comes and steps into our lives, uh, right apart from the cross, who are we but those who are impoverished in our sin? Uh, right? Running from God, running from his ways. Uh, we're, we're like spiritual paupers in, in dirty rags. That's who we are by nature. We're the poor ones. And yet here is Jesus. Uh, he gives us his righteousness. Right? There's part of the riches. Now he gives us, because of his death for us, <clears throat> he gives us his righteousness. It's, it's like a royal robe that covers us. Uh, so that though in ourselves we're, uh, we're impoverished and headed for eternal poverty, uh, here, here we are, given what we don't deserve, but the righteous robes of Christ. Spotless record of Christ. And with that comes a restored relationship with God. Uh, a restored relationship with God. Remember we said part of, part of Christ's riches was this, was this eternal, uh, ever-blessed relationship of Father and Son and Spirit, uh, that, that riches of relationship. Well, what do we get? Well, in Christ, we can reconcile to God. And, and now, adopted into his family, God calls us his children. His children. Right? After the son, we get to be sons and daughters. Uh, and all, the, and all the, uh, the, the blessed love that comes with that. Uh, not that we deserve it, but loving nonetheless. Bible calls us his children. The uh, Bible says that, that God uh, rejoices over his, uh, his people with singing. I mean, think of that. God rejoicing over you with, with singing. Uh, it it, it made, me, made me think, maybe some of you parents uh, had, had or do have this practice of before you put your kid to bed, uh, you, you sing them a song. And maybe it's a song about the Lord, but maybe it's a song that has to do with, with, with your love for them. And you sing them that song every night or some similar song. And it's just this, this your delight in them. Uh, and it's not because they necessarily had a really good day in obeying you. You just love them. You just love them. Think of God rejoicing over us. Maybe that's something to think about as you go to bed tonight. That there is that there is God, and He's He's, he's singing you a song of his, his love for you because you're His. Because you're His. Talk about rich, right? Rich in love, uh, heirs of God. There's there's the other part of the riches. Scripture speaks and says we have an inheritance. You can see how that comes from from being His children, right? Children get to inherit. 
Now here we are, children of God, and the Bible says we get to inherit all the riches of God. Uh, remember how Peter talks about it as an inheritance that is imperishable, unfading, undefiled, kept in heaven for you. Uh, all the opposite things than, than the, the, the financial riches of this world. Remember how Jesus describes the, the treasures of this world? Yeah, that's the stuff that moths, moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Right? All the, the things that are valuable of this world, eventually they either get stolen, taken from us, uh, rot, whatever. It doesn't last. Just a matter of time. Now that's the stuff of this world. Uh, but then there's this treasure of heaven, and, well, it's the exact opposite. It's imperishable, unfading, uh, and undefiled. But it's not just riches that the Bible says is, is future. Uh, like, yeah, you got to wait for it. And the scripture talks about us having a deposit, a, a down payment on those riches. And you remember what Paul says in Ephesians 1? He says, uh, in him, in Christ, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, the, the down payment, the deposit of our inheritance. So we have this unfading, imperishable inheritance in heaven as his children, uh, and now God decides he's going to give us a, a down payment, right? a, a, a big foretaste of it. It's the very Holy Spirit. Right? And, and so you can see how they, you know, the Holy Spirit comes, and there's that loving presence uh, that we talked about, God, the Spirit living within us. But also, you can think of the Spirit as he comes alongside us in our weakness, the Spirit as he guides us into all truth, uh, the Spirit who, who pleads for us, who prays for us, and we don't know how to pray, and on and on uh, we can go. And that's just a down payment of, of the inheritance. Uh, of course, the fullness comes when Jesus returns, uh, and brings in a new heavens and new earth, and and uh, well, the, Jesus says the meek, the meek in Christ, God's people, the meek inherit the earth, and we don't deserve any of it. Yeah, for your sake, he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Rich, only through the work of Christ, only through the work of Christ. And that's important to emphasize because this isn't found anywhere else apart from Jesus. Uh, maybe, maybe you're here and, and you know of Christ, but you haven't really committed your life to, to trusting him and following him. Uh, it's important to realize that these riches are a free gift, but they're only a free gift in Christ. You can't find them anywhere else because there's no one else uh, who humbled himself to the lowest place uh, to make you rich. Nowhere else can you get that eternal riches. Uh, you need this Jesus. Apart from him, uh, you and I are, are impoverished, even headed for eternal poverty, uh, uh, judgment itself. But here's this free gift. Uh, and, and the Lord says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, children of God, heirs of God. But of course, many of you, many of you do know Christ. And, and so you can, you can take in this good news that this is talking about you. For your sake, he became poor. So that by his poverty, you become rich. This is true. You, rich beyond your wildest dreams, rich. Rich and you don't deserve any of it. Rich and it's not going to go away. In fact, it's only going to uh, 
uh, expand. How rich are you? Quite rich. There's a follow-up question. Okay, what do you do with it? What do you do with those riches? Paul gives us this, this really beautiful summary of the good news of Jesus Christ. And he does it right in the middle of two whole chapters about financial giving to others. What's the, what's the connection? Uh, why, why, why does one connect uh, to the other? Um, well, for one thing, there is this, there is this parallel of, of giving to those in need. All right, the Corinthians uh, were in the depths of spiritual poverty, uh, and Christ gave of his riches uh, to meet their needs. And now, the follow-up is the Corinthians, seeing their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem in poverty, the Corinthians, in their riches, can give in order to meet their, their other saints' needs. So you have the parallel of, of, the, of the rich caring for those who are in desperate need. And we have this privilege as God's people of, of walking in our Savior's footsteps. Uh, it's, it's the calling we have uh, as, as believers. And the more, the more we meditate on Christ and what he gave to save us, uh, the more our hearts are delighted uh, and, and joyful to see all that he just, just poured into our, uh, our open hands. And as we meditate on that, the, the, the easier it is to have open hands towards others. Our God tears us away from that tight-fistedness, the more we see how much we've received, the more we're tempted to, with open hands, give to others. So there's the, uh, there's the connection of, uh, of the parallel uh, of, of, of giving to those in need. But Paul makes another connection, and he does it through the word grace. Through the word grace. The word grace shows up quite a bit in our passage. And um, and well, let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can see how this how this works. So, of course, verse nine that we've been studying there, the good news of Jesus. Uh, Paul calls it the the grace of our Lord Jesus, and we can see how that works. God grace, of course, means when you God gives you what you don't deserve, and this makes sense in verse nine. God gives us what we don't deserve, the riches of Christ. Grace makes it. But Paul uses that same word, grace, to refer to the act of giving. He does it actually three times in our passage. Here's the first. It's verse 1. We want, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. What's this grace? What are the churches of Macedonia doing? Well, he goes on to explain. Uh, yeah, they're giving in the midst of all their poverty. They're giving to the saints in Jerusalem. And he calls it uh, the grace of God. They're given. And then in verses 6 and 7, he does it again by speaking of an act of grace. And again, you realize, oh, well, he's talking about giving. They're, they're giving to the saints. Uh, 6 and 7. Now, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. Right? Titus had introduced the offering uh, gotten them ready. Now Titus is going to go back and okay, let's get it together. Uh, let's finalize it and actually actually give it and and, and work ahead with it. And he, Paul calls that act of grace. He continues verse seven. But as you excel in everything, 
in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, in all love, our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace. What's this act of grace that he's talking about? It's this act of giving, but he calls it grace. How, how does that work? How is, how is their giving an act of grace? Um, well, it's, maybe you can see what Paul's saying. It's an important point because, well, we're often tempted to, to miss this and get it, and get it wrong. Because when we see, we see Paul bringing up the example of Jesus, we might be tempted to think, okay, I get it. Jesus gave to me. Now it's my turn to pay him back. Right? Jesus gave to me. Now he stops. And now it's my turn to pay him back. No, that is not what Paul is saying. In fact, what he's saying, and he uses the word grace to do it, he says that God gives, and then God keeps giving. That's the grace of the Lord Jesus. He gives to us in Christ, and then he keeps giving. He gives us the gift of salvation, uh, and, the, and the rescue, and the inheritance, and then his work in our lives is God keep giving. Uh, it's, it's grace followed by more grace. Uh, and grace in Jesus that saves us from our sin, and then it's grace in Jesus, strength to do the hard thing uh, of, of caring for others and sacrifice, uh, grace to have a heart for others, uh, grace to have the opportunity uh, to, to give to others, grace in giving us the means and the resources, right? It's, it's God giving, and then he keeps on giving. Uh, it's God bestowing grace upon us, and then he keeps giving us Grace. Now, it's it's grace that that well, it doesn't make us passive, right? It's it's not okay. God gives us this grace and He keeps on giving us grace, so we don't do anything. Uh, it's actually quite the opposite. It's grace that enables us to to act. It frees us to to act. And here, that the action that He's talking about is the grace empowering us and strengthening us. Uh, to do this work of giving to, to care for, for God's people. And yes, in this passage, and we'll get more into some of the details next week, uh, God's calling his people to act in, in giving. Financial giving, giving of our, of our hearts and our time and our love, uh, giving, uh, but it's fueled by grace. It's an act of grace. Uh, God gives and then he keeps on giving. Uh, God's, God's grace and then it continues uh, in grace. So verse 9 is very relevant. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Do you see how rich you are? Uh, do you see it's rich beyond your wildest dreams, rich? Rich in all the ways that last? Uh, rich in all the ways that matter? And then, do you see there's, there is something glorious to do with it? Uh, and, and it's not God stopping uh, to, to give uh, or stopping his unmerited favor. It's he's keep on going. He can keep on working in you, even as you walk in those footsteps to Christ, of Christ <laughs> and give sacrificially to others. Well, let's, let's thank him in prayer. Lord, we do thank you because you are the, the glorious God you are the one who has given us uh, in Christ the life, the blessedness. 
Lord, the, the salvation that we don't deserve. We thank you for it. Lord, help us to, uh, to, to value and rejoice in it more uh, and even respond with our lives, uh, Lord, as, as we trust and continue to rest in your grace. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.